Welcome to Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast. And now, here is your host, Albie. Tonight's guest is the world-famous published author, author of Quantum Leap novel, Foreknowledge, and... I forgot the Seeker, the novella of truth. Yes. I read the book. I, I love the book. Too. Seeker, the novella is a truth or T R U T H. Do you, how do you pronounce that? Both, both, whichever one you wanted to. Okay, that's I always call it a novella of truth. Novella of truth. That's a good one, and it's available on Amazon paperback and Kindle editions and all that stuff. And yep. uh, we'll talk more about that later. But I'm very uh, happy to have you on, my longtime friend, co-host. We haven't done much uh, hosting together. Usually, uh, it's one or the other. Sometimes yeah, when we guest on other places. It, it, yeah. It's amazing to me because I've been thinking about the amount of times that you and I have been on mic together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's maybe three. Yeah. Three, maybe Even four. though I wouldn't be podcasting without you because oh. you're the one who got me into podcasting. Uh, listening to the Quantum Leap <laughs> podcast when you were the host was one of the first ones I ever listened to. I apologize and- to you and your wife for all the time <laughs> I sucked out of your life. Now I did a lot of it while I was walking the dog and stuff. So, mm, you know, nice. okay. it's always, yeah, there'll always be another podcast. You don't have to apologize. And of course, so I just, I'm, I'm thrilled now to be talking to you as, you know, wow. Like, like a special guest on an Albie Bird show <laughs> and especially Star Trek. Cause I can always talk about Star Trek. Yeah. About a week ago, I thought, you know what? It's weird. Like my favorite thing ever is Star Trek and I've never really done anything Star Trek. So it seemed like a no brainer. Well, um, if you would, I know that you've had the Trekaholic handle for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't aware that it was a podcast. Is this the premiere episode of Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast? It or? is. That's why you're my special guest. And oh my, my goodness, yeah, I wanted it to be important, so that's why I got you on. on ah, it. I thought I thought you were re- reviving a podcast that you had done. The feed uh, was always there, but it was usually and uh, you, everybody at home, you can go check out the feed at uh, you can go to trekaholic.com and uh, check out the podcast feed. Right now, it's old interviews that I did for the Quantum Leap podcast, but the guests that I had on the Quantum Leap podcast. That were Star Trek related. I always uh, had our producers, either Juan or Hayden, try to get those people so I could mm-hmm. turn the Quantum Leap uh, conversation over to Star Trek and talk about <laughs> what I wanted to talk about mostly. It's like, yeah, you're in half of a Quantum Leap episode, but let's talk about Deep Space Nine all day. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, uh, it's always fun too. JG Hertzler, that was uh, one where oh. we talked, what, for maybe two minutes about uh, Quantum Leap and two hours about Star Trek. Well, Martok was, I think, the, the role he was born to play. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. And, he's done a lot. And he's he did uh, one of the relaunch novels, too, mm-hmm. uh, Left Hand of Destiny. Mm-hmm. I did not read that. Did you read that? I enjoyed it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's the last Star Trek book I read. Okay. Oh, no, I lie. I read David Mack's, um, it was the trilogy about the Borg how the how the Borg were formed. It had Picard, it was the me. It was more of a like an all universe novel. It wasn't just like next gen, even though I think it was sold as a next gen novel, but like everybody was in it. Oh really? I uh yeah. I read the latest one I read was uh there was a crossover with uh Seven of Nine went back to the original series era. I read that mm. and uh okay. there's a the one based on the big goodbye uh from season two ish and the novels. Can you believe I've never seen The Big Goodbye? Really? That's like one of my favorites. Oh, let's talk about that. How, first of all, how did you get into Star Trek? How did how did you become a Trekkie? 
Well, I forgive, uh, forgive me for anyone who's heard me talk about this before, because I have on other podcasts, but I finally get to talk to Albie about our Trek fandom because that's something we don't ever really do. Um, I got into Star Trek when I was a kid um, in the Bronx. I remember it. My first memory of Trek was watching something really boring at like my grandmother's house. And I realized now that it was the episode, I think, Bread and Circuses. Um, what was the Nazi episode? I with think, not, no. With the, blonde, with the blonde girl, when she betrays them in the cave. You remember that? I think that's Bread and Circuses. I want to say the baked potato one. Yeah, and yes. at the end where Uhura says the sun, not the sun. Yeah, that was the one yeah. cringe line in the original series. <laughs> but that is my earliest memory of Star Trek and mm-hmm. not really liking it. And the other earliest memory is um, we had the Mego bridge set with oh, all wow. the Mego. You had that? You know, all the, yeah, I had Kirk, Spock, McCoy. I'm sure I had a red shirt, maybe Scotty. Um I don't know if we had the Klingon. I don't think we did, but it was cool because you could also fit like your, your super friends action figures mm-hmm. on there. Cause they were all the same size. So Batman was on the bridge a lot too. I had the Batman set. Uh, I wasn't into star Trek when the Migos were popular, uh, but I had the uh, wonderful uh, wizard of Oz set. The, oh, okay. the, uh, the whole, like they had the witch's castle and all the, figures and stuff that's cool yeah i wish i had it now oh my goodness but uh yeah i wish i had my bridge set now with the transporter and everything yeah that, you know because it don't fold it it was like a it was like an accordion it was like cardboard covered with clear plastic right yeah yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much that's yeah. the same i'm thing sure it would have fallen apart by now probably that's probably uh, why it's probably in the garbage somewhere they made a they made a big bang episode about that uh, about the transporter. Uh, yeah. It was a different I think transporter. That was just though, the individual, it? it was just the individual transporter prop, though. It wasn't the one that was on the Mego set. Just like a different version of it. Same idea, yeah. though. Okay. But it was sort of it was sort of the same. But um to finish the 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 answering the question, I didn't get into Star Trek until I was about I don't know, 14, 15. They used to play it probably earlier. They used to play it every night on channel 11 in New York. WPIX, the, right? WPIX, mm-hmm. exactly. And you probably, because you were probably in this area at that mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. you knew channel 11. 11 and, Alive, yeah, yeah, man. In the, you know, the, the rundown for for channel 11 at night was something at 11 and then the Honeymooners at 11.30, then Star Trek at 12 and Twilight Zone at 1. Mm-hmm. So we would basically just watch Star Trek and the Twilight Zone every night mm-hmm. and the Honeymooners too, but there was like eight episodes of the Honeymooners. You've seen them one, you've seen them both. <laughs> 39, but, uh, 39, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, but they uh, played the same ones yeah, over Yeah, so that's when I really started to get into Star Trek and I really, you know, on my little black and white TV in my bedroom watching it, my brother liked it too. So we watched it a lot. And then as I became more and more engrossed in it, I started reading the Star Trek novels because at that point in the 80s, there were really no other Star Trek related materials to, to look at. We had a movie every couple of years, but that was it. And I didn't read comic books. I didn't even know there were Star Trek comic books. So I just started to read the pocket books and I still have them all. They're here in my library. As you can see them in, in my library, I have a shelf on the bottom where I keep all my Star Trek books. There's gotta be about a hundred of them there. Do you have a so. favorite Star Trek novel or a series of novels? Um, my favorite Star Trek novels. Um, I, Hmm. Hmm. My favorite Star Trek author is easy, Diane Carey. Mm-hmm. And my my second favorite is Diane Duane. So if I had to choose, I love Diane Carey's Dreadnoughts and Battle Stations books, which deal with other characters that are not Kirk and Spock. It's like her own character set 
in the Star Trek universe. Did she write Enterprise, the first adventure, or am I wrong? No, that's Von, that, that was Vonda McIntyre. Oh, okay. I believe. And I have that too. Um, I like that one too, but um, my other favorite, if I had to choose, Diane Duane's The Wounded Sky. I really loved that. I've never read that. Do you recommend it yeah. to read? I, I would recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Anytime I saw their names on the cover, I would be like, yes, you know, because they would come out once a month or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would wait for the new one and just, oh, lo and behold, there it is. And, you know, I didn't, we didn't have internet or I had no way to know what was on the production schedule. So just when it showed up in the bookstore, you were like, cool, you know, cool Star Trek. Yeah. So. Um, so that's that. Yeah. And then, you know, the movies and then the nineties resurgence and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. so. so how old were you when uh, you were watching it and you first got hooked on Star Trek? You were like, what? The kid. Yeah. Kid. I got somewhere between preteen to, to late teens. Um, I, I, I think I started probably around 11 or 12 years old to really to really watch it, maybe 12 or 13. This is, I, I hate this question because in my mind, everything happened when I was 14, <laughs> even though it didn't. I just always like revert to 1984. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have no really comprehension of time. Uh, most people I know, I don't have to tell this, but uh, I usually say, uh, if I say a number, a name, a date and amount of time, it's probably wrong, but it's my best feeling of and recollection right. of it. Um, I, I just... I, Go. Uh, my favorite uh, probably would be Imzadi, Peter David. Okay. Yeah. I've only read a couple of Peter David ones um, because he does mainly next gen stuff. Mm. And I'm not a huge next gen fan, but I did read Q Squared on my honeymoon. Q Squared is good. 26 years ago. Wow. Uh, did you so. ever listen to the audiobook? That was a pretty good one. Uh, I think it was read by John Delancey. No, no, I'm not an audiobook fan mm. um, as listeners to the 112263 <laughs> podcast now. Yeah. I, I don't have anything against them. It's just not a way I choose to consume my literature. Mm -hmm. And um, I might be a little bit more amenable to that now because I'm such a podcast addict mm -hmm. that I listen to them all the time. So I think I would be a little bit better at accepting an audiobook at this point in my mm -hmm. in, in my life. Very, know. very similar genres. I think that's what got me into podcasting because I ran out of audiobooks at the time. Gotcha. gotcha. So uh, favorite uh real quick, favorite um episode from each series. Oh, God. Ish. Possible. Yeah. Okay. I, I know okay, I have so, like 10 favorites and it changes all the time, but like yeah, exactly. if you had to so be, if I had to pick the yeah. original series, hi Penny's here. If I had Hi. to pick the original series, um uh, just for tonight at this moment, let's say the doomsday machine. Okay. Great. Because one. I just love the way William went over accident. It's amazing. <laughs> All um, sweaty and crazy. Yeah. I don't really have a favorite next gen episode. Cause I don't know it that well. Um, let's say best of both worlds. Okay. That's uh, one or two the fire, or right? Both. That's with Jellico. Yes. That's the one with Jellico. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I like that one. No, Jellico is, uh, um, uh, chain of command. Is it chain of command? Let's say chain of command. Though. Okay. And that's just at this moment. Okay. DS9 is almost impossible because mm -hmm. I love, I love, love, love DS9. It's, so it's beautiful. It's like show. trying to pick with the original series, but you know what, which is the, the one uh, I want to say in the cards, let's say in the cards for now. Okay. With the, with the self-stealing stem bolts. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I still want one. I still want Trying one. to get the Willie Mays card. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that episode. That, yeah. I know there are a million great episodes of DS9 and I'm just I'm being flippant on that one. Um, gotta love Yamak sauce. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, because CS9 had excelled on so many levels, like that was a good humorous episode. 
Um, the one where Kira confronts the Cardassian war criminal who turns out he's not, he's not the guy at the end. And is I'm that duet? Duet probably. Is yeah. that right? I'm yeah. Deep, deep space nine titles. Episode. I'm kind of like iffy on. Yeah. And, um, Voyager, I didn't watch. So what is the, what is the Voyager one? I did see an episode that I really, really enjoyed. It was one of the very few Voyager episodes that I saw when it was running that I was like, wow, this is good. It's when it, it's set in the future, the Voyager had been to a planet and, um, the planet remembered them as almost like conquerors. The doctor, they remembered as a positronic Android. Is that the and one they, they were doing like a Shakespearean play of the history of Voyager? No, no. no. Okay. This was like it set in a museum. Was and the doctor, rem- uh, part of the museum ex- exhibition? No, the dog, okay. everything was, was made up <laughs> okay. from like bad recollection. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and new Voyager is your favorite, right? I, I love Voyager. Uh, my favorite switches all the time. Of course it, <laughs> it, it really does. Like I was, I, I've seen every episode of every series. I don't know how many times, but I love them all right now. Voyager enterprise maybe are both my favorites. Gotcha. But I've been drifting back towards enterprise quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, lately I've been watching, um, late season three and all of season four, I seem to be going back to season four quite a bit mm. because season four was, is great. Yeah. It's cause it's such a good prequel mm. um, series at that point. So if I had to pick an enterprise one, let's say mirror darkly part two. Okay. Those are both good. I yeah. like mirror darkly uh, uh, animated series. Don't really have one. I remember I watched the entire animated series on Saturday morning mm-hmm. when it was first on. Um, I haven't seen them in so long. Jeez, uh, what's the one where Spock mind melts with like uh, an intelligent cloud? Hippy dippy. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. I, I don't know the title off off the top of my head. I used so to know we'll all go these, with that one. I just remembered some okay. imagery. From and he's that like, one. Uh, "Talk to me. We are here to help you." It's better you than know you know. It's better than I don't. The, they always had like such bad character design on that show. The mm. aliens always sucked, and them. The, you know, the backgrounds are always so cheap. And <laughs> yeah, it had a it had a weird, creepy feeling, almost like you got when you were watching uh, Twilight Zone all by yourself, alone, late at night in the dark. It had that same eerie feeling about it, but it was Star Trek. And didn't they have? Wasn't that more more troubles? More troubles was uh, yeah. one of the animated. That's ones. my daughter's favorite. Of okay, that, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick the word the the magics the magics of Mengus two. That's, that's the what, one with the devil, the, right? In the center of the yeah. galaxy, yeah. was it? And or it was universe? magic. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? In the center I think it was of the, the devil. Yeah. In the center of the galaxy or the universe. I'm not sure. Something. Yeah. Like yeah. Something like that. It was like Star Trek five. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what does the devil need with a starship? So, right. So, okay. Uh, my, so, my, my, my Joe Trimble Star Trek concordance out. Mm-hmm. We can go through them. <laughs> um, Spin the wheel. Uh, Discovery. Have you seen Discovery? Yeah. I've seen all of Discovery. Um, Is there one you can pick I, out that you like? I just started doing a season two rewatch and mm. I haven't gotten very far, but I was afraid to rewatch discovery because I thought the rewatchability factor was going to be pretty limited because discovery hinges like most modern Trek hinges on like mystery box plots. Mm-hmm. So once you know the mystery, then where is the suspense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's surprisingly more rewatchable than I gave it credit for if I had to pick a favorite of Discovery, having seen most every episode only once, 
Um, I like Brother. I like the season two premiere because I thought Burnham was a, a Sonequa Martin Green was was really good in that. And She's really good. The one where Pike sees his future on Bora. Okay, with the time crystals and all that. Yeah, with the time crystal and, because uh, that was just such an amazing callback to the original series and they had all the tie-ins to the cage there. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Mina showed up or, uh, you know. Yeah. Vina, Mina. Vina, uh, Vina. Vina. Thank you. Susan Oliver, but not Susan Oliver. Uh, yeah. Susan Oliver. Was oh, so my goodness. Beautiful yeah. and smart. If you if yeah. you look her up, there's a documentary about her actually. Really? Yeah. It's pretty cool. You should check it out sometime. Cool. Um, what else did we, uh, is there any other Hard, series guess, that right? we forgot about? Short tracks, huh? Oh, Picard. Yeah, Picard. What do you think of Picard? Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, a lot Um, of people didn't. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But I love all Star Trek. I mean, except for a couple episodes. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's not so much. It's just the storytelling style and the fact that they didn't reveal the main villain until, what, three episodes were Mm -hmm. left. Mm -hmm. And you had like a 10 episode series where you had episodes that felt like filler. Hmm. Like there's, you're not doing something right if that's the way your stories are coming across. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of the writing was was just very expository. It was just, yeah. Um, if you had anyway. to pick out like a moment from the ten series, there are ten episodes. Uh, the finale when data when data dies. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, again, yeah, I really I really enjoyed that, mm-hmm. and. Um, when I, I don't know her name, the who played who played Soji. Oh, I can't pronounce the, the name even when I know it. I'm still learning the names of the, <laughs> we the, are the, the new worst trekkies on well, the planet. When, when there was like original series of Next Gen, like I knew everything, but then yeah. they kept adding more and more and more and more, and I try to know everything. But well, there was a scene where um, she shows up, but like a pro, a positronic android version of her. Mm-hmm. And that's like, it's like, wow, I thought she was pretty before, but she somehow got so super hot when she was like Deja, De, Data Soji. So mm-hmm. hot Data Soji was a good <laughs> moment, Picard, for me. <laughs> uh, uh, the, her costume was like almost back to the 60s look where it was just like draped on uh, sheer fabric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so not good. so bad, but okay. uh, yeah. Um, so Picard, I think I'll, uh, and actually my favorite moment in Picard is when Seven showed up. Yeah, that was. I mean, I just absolutely love that scene. I wish we weren't spoiled on that. I wish like they didn't promote Mm -hmm. the hell out of that, and that was just a moment, and boom, you know. Yeah. But you know, and it was great to see her because I always thought that Seven was such an interesting character that Mm -hmm. they never let do anything in Voyager. Like Mm -hmm. even in season seven, the second her her character had some sort of like it threatened any kind of growth. They put her back to square one and mm-hmm. it always annoyed me because Jerry Ryan is so talented and she did the best. She did much more, I think, than a lot of people could have done with what they gave her. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, her hands were tied. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to be able to see her on Picard to actually be a, a character instead yeah, of a drone. She was, I think, much more well written on Picard mm-hmm. than. But I mean, the whole overall arc of her life in Star Trek is pretty good. But uh, she's one of my favorite characters. A lot of people hated her when she first came to uh, Voyager because, you know, they're just bringing her in for her looks and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy her. So and she's badass in Picard. OK, what's your favorite episode of Lower Decks? <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it yet. What's your favorite episode? You haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen my favorite one yet. Oh, OK. OK. Um, uh, so far, my favorite episode is the pilot. It's pretty yeah. good. Second, second contact. It's the only I one think, out right now. So I, I think, think Fog of Fault, my favorite. favorite episode is uh, 
is Second Contact. My yeah. least favorite episode is Second Contact. Um, <laughs> the episode I don't really care about is Second Contact. <laughs> but, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, I look forward to seeing where this where this new series progresses to. Um, are you ready? Have you seen it before? You've seen the episode, right? Yeah, I watched it on um, Thursday morning. We had a big storm here in New York and I, all my power was out, but we got our power back. And uh, the first thing I did when we got the power back was was put it on. So I was able to watch it. Then I was rewatching it again earlier today. All right. But I wanted to sort of be I wanted to be fresh. I wanted to be fresh for uh for this recording with you, Al. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me for this. And it's uh, about a 26 minutes episode and uh, we're going to be watching it together and just uh, talking about our thoughts while we watch it. And you can watch along at home after uh, the computer puts it on the view screen. Are you ready to uh, watch it with me, Mr. Let me just, let me just wake up my iPad. I got a super tech uh, situation going here. Look, the iPad's like right here. (laughs) Propped up on a bunch of books. So. All right. Uh Penelope wants to watch with us too. Yeah, Penelope's always welcome. Uh, do you have a costume for her? Um, no. Like the original <laughs> no, series yet. to make her an alien? No? Okay. Uh, All right. So, uh, All right, so watch I'm along with us. Okay, watch along with us. After that, we're going to have our uh, final thoughts on it. And uh, we're going to do a little Trek and Tell where uh, we show a little Star Trek object that we have. So stay tuned for that, okay? So, uh, computer, could you uh, put the episode on view screen, please? On view screen. Okay, so that's your cue to start along with us. And if you've seen it before or don't want to watch with us, you can listen along also as we talk about it. First impressions of this episode, Mr. Christopher D. Philippus. Gotta tell you, wasn't thrilled with it. I wanted it to be funnier, and I felt like some of the some of the situations were forced. We will soon set and I was thinking, is it because it's just so new, or is it? I think also it has sort of that Rick and Morty pedigree with the creator of Rick and Morty. So I was waiting for just Rick and Morty always blows me away with how funny the television is. So you do like Rick and Morty more. Dude, well, I love Rick and Morty. I, me too. And you, but you, this yeah. wasn't quite it for you. No, this did not evoke Rick and Morty to me. This evoked like somewhere between like Futurama <laughs> and um, I'm not going to say Family Guy because Family Guy sucks. Um, and this didn't suck. This did by all means. This didn't suck. It just maybe it's going to take me a while to get used to it. And I will say this: um, watching it again this morning. I, I laughed more than I did the first time. I think okay. because I, this usually happens. You tell me, Ali. You're a big Star Trek fan. So, so excited to see new Star Trek. Whenever I went to see a new movie, um, I would sit in the theater and I would just obsess with everything that's on the screen that I would have to go back and see it again so I could actually like sort of settle into it and actually watch it. And I feel like this is, you know, it might be a case of that. So this is the scene. Uh, you see she's she's swinging that bathlet around. Now, now, and this made me laugh because she's like, honor, I demand honor. I love honor. <laughs> what did when you think of that, when you that, saw the the flesh cutting into yeah. the flesh? The the one time the bathlet actually did something. Yeah, right? Until Discovery anyway, right? Yeah. Discovery, they had a lot of blood. And I think Worf killed somebody um, once with one, right? Right. But, I mean, that, that made me laugh a lot. And um, it's funny because I've been watching it now with the subtitles on, which mm-hmm. I never do. And uh, when she's when she's swinging the bath left around, uh, 
Boimler is yelling, Worf, Worf, Worf. Worf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Which I didn't uh, notice when I first watched. The Enterprise now, crew see, seems to be like famous in this uh, universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, but they, they have a bunch of callbacks towards the end. Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is the open. Like, this is where I thought the, the humor was a little bit forced because you know that the open of every show since, I guess, next gen has to be um, uh, hero shots mm-hmm. of the ship. So they do that here, but they try to subvert it with the ship, like hitting an, ice, <laughs> an iceberg or you going know, backwards an, an and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I um, like the opening. Uh, the, I like the song. I like the um, the font, the next gen font. Yeah, it's got the next gen font, and I like the ship design. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't crazy about about the music. The music seemed very blah to me. There's nothing very memorable about it. To me, it was it had the feeling of uh, Voyager, next gen, Deep Space Nine. movie credits okay so she's Orion I gotta think right yes that was confirmed I've been looking around so yeah I mean Uh, what other green aliens are there (laughs) and um, uh, what's his race called oh you're not a big next gen fan yeah but I remember him that was Wesley's buddy right from uh, coming of age I think maybe where he took the test and I think he made uh, one other appearance maybe as another character but they use the same actor I believe Hot banana, hot banana. That, this is the first time I uh, laughed my ass off watching this because it's like tea, Earl Grey, hot. And it's, that's always say, said weird, but he's like banana, hot, banana, hot. No. So. I think one of the other things is just said, um, Beckett. I love the fact that her name is Beckett. Yeah, uh, people are speculating that that's a quantum leap um, reference because of Scott Bakula being from Enterprise. Did they did they confirm that? Uh, uh, a couple podcasts uh, had talked about that, and uh, one in particular was a Seventh Rule podcast, the one with um, that was originally with Aaron Eisenberg, Nog from Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Right before he passed, so they were talking about that with. Uh, with Sirach uh, Lofton, Jake Sisko. Yeah. yeah. What do you think Jake of these uniforms? I, I love them. To me, it looks like they're denim, maybe, because of the way she's wearing it. You know, those really fancy next-gen denim jackets? How it's like yeah, a different color. I mean, they look like now. a riff on the, the old next-gen uniforms, which I'd, I'd like to see. Uh, and I guess it's good in the way, because um, this is so geeky, but... You went from having those those smart gray uniforms in in, in the movie verse and Nemesis. This takes place right after Nemesis, supposedly. So now they're back to sort of the the next gen style uniform from this TV series, and this dovetails better into the uniforms that we see in Picard mm-hmm. later on, I think, which are also very next gen like. Yes, uh, I think timeline wise, they would have really been in the uh, like Deep Space Nine uh, nemesis, you know, the the black and gray jumpsuits. Yeah. But um, I think this, uh, like when anybody flipping through channels, if people do that anymore, I don't know. Um, but like it's it's immediately identifiable as Star Trek, like next generation era. Yeah. And also you want to have your, you got a cartoon. You want yeah. you want a colorful cast. You want you want as much color on the screen. It's almost like the original series. Why they had the big giant jelly buttons that did nothing on every main console is because this is one of the shows that people could see in color. And the bright color. They wanted every freaking color up on that screen that they could get. And um, I think that's a good edict if you're going to have a cartoon as well because you want it to be very dynamic looking. Um, this is like, I, Beckett comes off as maybe just a little too too loud, too pushy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and when the humor works, it works. Works okay, but I, I guess what this is not a good tour. I just was disappointed that I didn't laugh more. 
Okay. And it's not that I dislike any of the characters. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that maybe I just need to settle into it. Like I was, like I was saying before, but I like this look. Um, it's funny. I was on an aircraft carrier once and I, uh, took a tour that went from like the bridge where all the officers were to basically the lower decks where all of the ensigns and everything slept. And this is not far from reality. They were just stacked in on these bunks, three high, all right next to each other. And the fact that they have them instead of these palatial next-gen quarters that everybody seems to have with, you know, an unsweet bathroom and, you know, a, a rec room and uh, the billiard table. <laughs> they, they're literally sleeping in a hallway, which is much more military and much more true to life. It's very cool that they're able to show these things that we assumed is existed but we never saw so that's right. great um, because it wasn't a great set to build i guess uh, it, the sets the whole mo- the whole like uh feel of the show is very next gen and that's probably if i had to live on uh one starship it would be the 1701d and okay uh, next gen gives me like a really warm feeling inside and i go when when i watch these repeatability uh the repeatability is a very important thing for me and like i've seen this six times already this is the seventh um just so i could like enjoy it and absorb it and get to know names even though i'm still working on you know character names and, and actor names but there are a couple of famous actors uh don wells she plays the captain uh, you might know her from she's been in everything um broadway star but uh, i know her mostly from a different world and uh, she's really good. And also Jerry O'Connell. Computer. Yep. Is Jerry O'Connell. So, and uh, the first time I watched it, I, I did, try not to get spoiled too much on anything. So the first time I watched it, I didn't even know which one Jerry O'Connell played. Cartoon butts. Yeah. What do you think butts. of the nudity? What did you think of the nudity? Is that- it doesn't bother me. Um, I know that they're, they're trying to skew this more adult and it mm-hmm. was sort of innocent nudity. And yeah. Not just tops of legs. Thanks again for and I, I really, I, I kind of like the fact that they're they're copping to the fact finally that the hollow deck is just a giant sex chamber. That's I think one of the reasons why I'd like to live on the Enterprise D. You know, <laughs> hollow deck time. You know, I have I have a list in my head the first time I enter hollow deck computer. Please create this. You know. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I'll be doing it alone and coming out about eight hours later spent. But, uh, you and Barkley, right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I would totally be – I think Barkley is me. I'm Barkley, so. Oh, I love your shirt, by the way. I have Oh, thank shirt. you. I love yours. Oh, thank you. My sister my sister Denise bought this shirt for me years ago. Yeah, it's a, it's a comfy shirt, too. I think I've had it for probably 10 years. I, I, and I, I always wish when, uh, like, after I buy them that I'd bought three of them. Yeah, <laughs> just just. Well, it's funny because um, I have a history with Star Trek merch. Mm-hmm. I never really bought it myself. So you know, aside from the books and the the Hallmark ornaments, um, which people actually started buying me because here's the thing: they knew I was a Trekkie. So no matter what, people would just stop buying me, like just buy me some kind of Star Trek stuff. And it got to the point where I had so much Star Trek stuff that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was when my mom came over and literally, I, you know, I'm like 30 something. And she comes over with um, a model to put together of the JJ prize of the Kelvinverse enterprise and um, like five or six Star Trek Pez dispensers hmm? in a case. And I said, no more. I, please don't, please don't buy me any more Star Trek stuff. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it anymore. I've never said that. And that lasted, that lasted a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I have three of the Pez sets. 
Yeah, uh, do you? Yeah, next gen and two original series because and they were all gifts. Yeah, I have TOS, I have TOS. But you know, like recently, a, a coworker of mine bought me like a beautiful mug that is original series Star Trek, where no man has gone before on one side and the um, the command Delta on the other side. And I love it, you know, and it's my cup at work. And I've put like an enterprise on the back of my Mac because everybody has a Mac. So this one, I know at a glance, okay, this one's mine because it's got the enterprise on it. And uh, one of my other co-workers for my birthday last year bought me Spock socks. And, and it's <laughs> the, oh, the ones cutter. with the ears? Yep, the oh, ones with the ears. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, actually I have two pairs of those now because someone else bought me them this year for my birthday. So I've gotten them twice. People knowing you're a Star Trek fan is good because people buy you Star Trek gifts, but you also get a lot of Star Wars gifts and you have to say, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> See, everybody seems to know the difference from me. Oh. But what do you what do you think? Let's go yeah, uh, what did here. you think of the date storyline in this? The, is this maybe the B plot and the, the main no- normal storyline is the the, it seems to me like they have three plots here. Yeah. I think the date storyline is like a C plot just to. Um, here we go. We got space zombies. zombies. So we knew we were going to have rage zombies at some point. Watching right? this, I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot more cosplay at the conventions yeah. when we finally have conventions <laughs> again. We're going to have Star Trek zombies. We're going to have a guy covered in uh, purple goo with orange uh, overalls on. Mm. It's. I think that. This is sort of a C plot for comic relief because you know they're they're still dating in the middle of all this crisis and they're still doing their meet cute, which again felt a little forced. But what I liked about this storyline is actually where it ends up and what it shows you about. And I I don't remember the character's name, the the half cyborg character. I'm still working on the names too. Yeah, that's Boimler. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Beckett. That's Beckett Mariner. That's Mariner. 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 Tendi is the green one. And I forget who the half cyborg is. Um, yeah. What did you think about that? Uh, where uh, like they were having the perfect data and he was saying everything right and everything was going right. And she basically started attacking him and he was like, just like, nope, I'm going to nerd about some door lock. Yeah, that's actually that's what I said before, where I, I love where it wound up mm-hmm. because they use it as an excuse to show more about his character and what's important to him. Mm-hmm. And um, we skipped to the end, but mm-hmm. In doing that, he seems to get closer to Tendi. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're trying to like to plant the seeds of a romance there. That's maybe. a little bit more compatible. Uh, this, what do you think of this this alien character design? Uh, this uh, evoked uh, feelings of Futurama and Rick and Morty to me. So I, I really liked it. It, it yeah, just those, felt like a those perfect are the most Rick and Morty thing about the episode mm-hmm. to me of those 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 aliens. But they can do anything now because uh, you know animated so right i understand now but immediately my nerd mind went to how would they portray these aliens mm-hmm. because they're here animated how would cg wanted to put them into one of the movies yeah oh and i when i saw this i knew the next like uh, jj movie if they ever make another one there's going to be one of those like walking through the background of course yeah maybe i mean, um, guess lucas can do it with ewoks yeah. uh, what do you think of the spider uh, i um, I don't know. And its mouth? Was that a mouth? Yeah, it was just spider, you know. It was complication for complication's sake. Um, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I, I, I wish I had more to say about it. It's just an alien menace that turns out to be ultimately harmless. Mm-hmm. So they tried to play that for laughs. And I thought I thought that was it was all right. I liked uh, this because it reminded me of like 
the episode Lower Decks from uh, Next Gen. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, actually, I, one of my favorites. Think about it. That might be one of my favorite Next Gens too. It, it, it was that girl dies at the end of that, right? Yeah, and it just yeah. came out of uh, and it came out of nowhere, and it was just so different than all the other episodes. And I, I was like, oh, there are more than seven people on the Starship. <laughs> you know, so and uh, they probably go, the Lower Decks people probably go through all kinds of crazy stuff like this all the time. We just don't see it while people are talking and talking and talking on the bridge. So, well, that's a um, a novel by John Scalzi called Red Shirts. Mm-hmm. That's a parody of that. I've seen it. I have how read it yet. you know the bridge crew um, basically just walks on air, mm-hmm. and the grunts just go down and die. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a pretty funny book. It, it, it was all right. Um, they were going to make a series out of it, mm. and I wonder if CBS put the put the kibosh on it or maybe it just never got picked up like, maybe they didn't think they could do it without getting in trouble they're making because so many the show is a blatant Star Trek parody oh so I mean the book the book, the book is a blatant Star Trek okay. parody speaking of Star Trek parody this uh, has the uh, kind of uh, or- Orville feel also to it where they're uh, normal humans like from now like they're, they're not all nerds and proper and boring yeah you know and I think that maybe they they play with that when they show you the bridge crew. Mm-hmm. Here are your straight-laced Starfleet mm-hmm. professionals. And I think uh, one of the things they could do with Lower Decks, and this is really obvious, but it's it's to show you a, a little bit more of, you know, uh, sort of idiots, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because Starfleet is such a meritocracy that everybody's always type A, super type A. Mm-hmm. And... To just inject some humor, I think you have to get off the bridge mm-hmm. because you have a certain expectation of a bridge officer where you don't with someone that's just, you know, cleaning out the turbo lift. Uh, if, if I was on uh, the Enterprise, I would be with these people and I would be that type of person, you know, because uh, w- when I worked outside the home, I was always, you know, the one joking around and not paying attention to the rules and, you know. Just having fun. Um, what do you think of this? Did, did it uh, make you feel like uh, first contact when they're outside of the ship and stuff like that? They, they seem to be similar uh, spacesuits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was thinking assimilate this, <laughs> and uh, the fact that they they name drop the monkeys in this yeah, that was, was really good. Neat. So they they are aware of the twentieth century. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think that's something that is going to enrage a lot of more straight-laced fans, or as uh, my friend Sean Ray calls them, fan holes. (laughs) There seems to be a lot of uh, critics of this series so far, just from one episode, even before it came out. Uh, My opinion is people just uh, don't like that it's not made in the 60s or the 90s. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's also it's always a generational mm-hmm. thing. I mean, I was very reluctant to embrace Next Gen, mm-hmm. and I really didn't even pay attention to it um, until Generations came out. Mm. And I love Generations as a film. I'm one of the few. That's a great. But I think it's also because I, when I saw it, I had no real expectations about these characters, mm-hmm. how they should act. What should really? So you're going in as like a TOS fan, watching Captain yeah, Kirk's yeah. last movie. And I'd seen much. you know I'd seen some random episodes of Next Gen, <laughs> mainly first season. <laughs> And, uh, you know, this this part I laughed yeah. a lot. <laughs> this was very Rick and Morty to me, and, and I like that about it. So 
And this, I don't know, can can we say prolapse on here? That's kind of what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's your podcast. You tell me what okay. we can say. Uh, yeah. Uh, I try to keep it family that's friendly. That's medical, right? That's a medical term. But uh, as soon as I saw this, I was like, those two are going to be at a, at a you know, Star Trek Las Vegas next year in, in, in that outfit with the purple slime. So, <laughs> there you go. Right. Exactly. So uh, maybe. I love the line there that he gives. Oh, my bones. <laughs> She's like, don't worry. The doc will shine a light on him. <laughs> that was great. That was great. That's medicine in Star Trek. Because she's not being all technical and, you know, bone knitter and all that stuff. She's going to shine a light on it, which would be most of us, I think, if we were in that situation, right? We would just, I don't know. It it seems the most realistic, I know that's weird to say, of of any Star Trek series. Like, um, Well, in the sense that realistic based on how... And now you're getting into dicey territory. Mm. Is it realistic based on how we would view it? Mm-hmm. And so it's more realistic for the viewer here, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's grown up with that technology, knowing pretty much exactly what it does. You wouldn't just say, oh, they're going to shine a light on it. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I found it funny. It was a, a, a very uh, laughing, uh, laughable moment. No, I, I thought it was I thought it was funny too. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking in universe, like that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that's, that's gonna piss uh, like a fan off. I, I very rarely get mad at Star Trek. You know what do they say? The worst Star Trek is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was like that, I, that was like funny. It. Where uh, it was uh, protect protect the slime instead of protect this man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's of course very deliberate. Like they mm-hmm. don't give a shit about him. Yeah. What what it's, is that like called subverting expectations or something? Like you expect the next thing to be this thing, but they do the opposite. Yeah. Can you synthesize a cure, doctor? Uh what do you think about this doctor? I loved it. Old curmudgeony cat instead of sexy cat from the other animated series. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Uh, this to me is like I want to get to know these characters a little bit better, and I wonder how they're going to do like balancing out the bridge crew mm-hmm. with with the ensigns. Hmm. You know, and the other thing I like so far about this series, uh, Lower Decks, is for me as a Star Trek fan that loves all Star Trek. Usually, the like ticking clock. Oh my goodness, something has to be. You got to save the day by the end of the episode never really appealed to me. I never cared that there was a comet crashing into a planet. I never cared that everybody had a virus because you know they're not going to all die. You know it's going to get resolved in the last few minutes of the episode. So that wasn't the important part to me. The important part of Star Trek is the characters and the relationships. So I think that's why I like this because it's focusing on that and not the A, the traditional A storyline. Yeah, and I mean, I, I that's... It, that's always the best story that shot, focusing the on the relationships. I think that's when Next Gen got really good mm-hmm. for most of its fans. I think that's why DS9 always excelled because it was always more of a character mm-hmm. study and interpersonal relationships than it was. Mm-hmm. As much, I shouldn't say than it was, more than it was, as much as it was about, you know, the politics and the ticking clocks and teching the tech and mm-hmm. It had such a great balance of everything. But the characters were fleshed out, and, and the side characters became so important. Oh, my God, as well. yeah. I yeah. mean, unparalleled, I think, in Trek, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, for just an, a true ensemble show. It's probably so, the best written series. Yeah, uh, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with and that easily. It, what did you think of this twist? That I did not see it coming until the daughter, the admiral, and the captain started bickering, and then I was like, "Oh, they're married! Oh, it's it's their daughter." 
like like I, I realize it at the time that they meant me to realize it, like the second before they say it, just so I feel a little bit smart. But uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I really didn't. I, I that's another thing. I really like the diversity in in this uh, crew. And I didn't really think about it until about halfway through the episode. Like there isn't one token, this kind of person, one token, that kind of person that it's really made up of uh, a nice blend of who we are as humans, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that the, I guess, quote, fans who are against all the new Trek is they think it has a social justice warrior agenda and it's forcing diversity, shoving diversity down our throats. It's like, how are you even a Star Trek fan? <laughs> yeah, that that is my. One last trigger is, uh, uh, I guess, would you say conservative Star Trek fans? Like, what are they watching? What 700 episodes of Star Trek did they watch and not get? (laughs) So, and I can't stand whenever that comes. What This is now the end of the episode. Um, Again, she comes on a little bit too strong. She's screaming at him. She's jumping all over the place. And, you know, I I just want the character to be a little bit more grounded so that, like, these flights are funnier okay. like because now it just seems to me it's like she's just she's just pushy mm-hmm. i you like know? uh i like those type of people those uh, those type of women that are just like you know this is what we're gonna do and, and i'm i'm basically him uh i would just okay i'm gonna join your thing you're doing and i'll follow along and join the adventure you know so i really yeah. like the dynamic of these two like if if i was on that crew i would be him and uh, I would be definitely be friends with her. So what? Uh, she was uh, a higher rank earlier and got demoted. What do you think happened to her? Yeah, I think that that's a weird thing to do. It is another thing. This actually bothered me because okay. Starfleet is such a meritocracy. No matter who her parents are, mm-hmm. whether one be an admiral, another one be a captain, they wouldn't just like bounce her around to a place where they would keep an eye on her. I think that she would have to, you know. Uh, I like this part where they were they were doing rise uh, through the ranks or, or wash out. I don't know. I like that part where they were uh, just uh, mentioning all kinds of Star Trek. Yeah, stuff. a bunch of name drops at Deanna the end. Troy. You knew it was coming. Yeah. So we have so much about this season coming up. It's nice to see a Klingon. Yeah. And uh, I know there's a time travel episode coming up, so that should be pretty cool. Oh, you think he came back? Like. You think he came back to get his bat less? Because they said in the beginning, I got it from a Klingon. Yeah, Klingon with an iPad. But I was when thinking General Chang. An iPad gave it to Martok. me. I thought it was Martok. Martok, yeah. First I yeah. thought Martok, and then maybe Chang, because he had that like bolted on eye patch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I guess that's the thing. This looks like this looks like the one. Yeah, but uh, I'm loving this. Uh, looks like it's going to be good. And I'm, like I'm a fan of adult animation, Rick and Morty, uh, Futurama. Uh, American Dad, Family Guy, that kind of stuff. So this, for me, fits right in, but it's Star Trek, so it makes it even up to a higher level. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm looking forward to the next 10 weeks mm-hmm. of of just seeing where this can take us because it does have, like, an unlimited possibility. I, lo- I love the um, fact that uh, Star Trek isn't taking itself so seriously anymore. Like, I think maybe part of it was Alex Kurtzman, who approved the show, um, saw the success of the Orville and the feeling of it, because it has the same kind of 90s feeling, but with the 21st century humans in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think of, yeah, about them? I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the Orville. Really? Um, I understand why people were. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I watch uh, probably every episode three times. To me, it's Star Trek Next Generation, just a different Group. Yeah, yeah, and to me, it's just like all of Seth MacFarlane's bad mm. humor uh, <laughs> sensibility coming out, um, and 
marrying it with his absolute adoration of all things next gen. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he cast uh, Penny Johnson in it, I thought was an amazing nod. Love her. That. Like, and, he's uh, not even trying to hide. Oh, no. And uh, who else? Uh, Marina Sirtis made a, made a cameo in that as well. And a few yeah. other uh, Star, Trek actor, Star Trek actors, Robert Picardo's in it. Um, <laughs> Ethan Phillips, I think. Did he do one? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I honestly did not watch um, Orville Beyond. It was an episode where the robot man came in with Mr. Potato Parts on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's when <laughs> I said, okay, I'm done. And I turned it off, never never to watch it again. Uh, that so wraps that up had the commentary part. Like the first six episodes, right? That wraps up the commentary part, but uh, we're going to keep going. Yeah. I hope so. Um, for me, I, I would really recommend to you uh, the Orville because uh, it started off as a comedy, but about halfway to the end of season one, it became Star Trek The Next Generation. Like, they phased out the comedy and just went back to classic 90s Trek, I think. And uh, by the time you get to uh, the end of season two, that is a great episode, the two-parter with the time travel. And it's it's worth... I, I, yeah, I heard that. I heard good things about season two. Mm-hmm. Again, I just... I do it. I do just it. been turned off to it and I wasn't going to give it a chance. And when you say that it just turned into next gen, like to me, that's not a very great selling point okay. because I found a lot of next gen to be very boring. Like I still don't really watch next gen. First two seasons were boring and hard to get through. Um, but like uh, Orville to me is like season five, season six, next gen where they, they knew what they were doing. They had it down. We as fans knew everything about every character and could enjoy the story and Mm -hmm. character interaction, but I would recommend it just, just so you could watch that two part time travel, uh, episode, but you have to, you know, watch them all to earn it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't just go right to the first pump moment. Cause then it wouldn't, you wouldn't care. Um, so, uh, more about this episode, overall thoughts on second contact. Um, a promising start, not as funny as I wanted it to be. But I think that it's got great potential and I look forward to just letting the series unfold and trying to accept it for what it is. I find that, um, and this is a problem with so many Star Trek fans these days, which I try not to be. Um, you had alluded to it before that, that whole nonsense of this is not my Star Trek because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like the nineties Trek or it's not TOS or, or whatever. And I think that, if I'm coming to it with baggage, that's my baggage. Right. The show is the show. So try to watch the show for what it is. And then you're going to maybe enjoy it more because you're not sitting there saying, nope, 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 nope. Right. That's I mean, it. That's I, how I felt about Discovery. anything that way, you know? That's how I felt about Discovery. And I keep trying to let my baggage go when I watch Discovery, you know? Well, that's interesting. So wh- what about, because you, Mr. I love everything. <laughs> I do. I love it. I, I do. love it. I do. So, so what about Discovery uh, set you off? For me, I, I enjoy it. I, I like it. I watch it. While I'm watching it, I enjoy the adventure. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the stories. I love Tilly. Uh, I love uh, Sonequa is amazing in the show. The writing's great. But um, for me, again, uh, Next Gen and Voyager, Deep Space Nine, they just, and it might have been where I was at the time in my life, but, um, and the baggage I'm bringing to it. But for me, it has a feeling like those series are greater than the sum of their parts. Like the cast just magically works together, uh, especially Next Gen. Like it's just magic, lightning in a Mm -hmm. bottle. And I feel when I watch Discovery that it's the exact sum of its parts. 
you know? I think you're right. And I think it's, it, that has a lot to do with the style of writing mm-hmm. in the sense that um, they are so concerned with, with trying to unfold a mystery that doesn't need to be a mystery mm-hmm. that they sacrifice um, like character. They sacrifice good drama mm-hmm. for bullshit drama, mm-hmm. which is just like, Oh, what, what does this mean? And that's what I was talking about with Picard. You weren't, you had three episodes left before you figured out that it was going to be the tech from the future that was going to come and kill mm-hmm. us all. What, what would it have hurt in Picard for them to reveal that as the prologue for mm-hmm. the entire series so that you knew who the villain was and what the stakes were. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I've said this before in a lot of places, and I'm just going to say it again here for the benefit of those who might not have heard it. It's just a style of storytelling that ever since J.J. Abrams took over Te- mm-hmm. Trek, but it, it's his style. It's like I said, mm-hmm. it's that mystery box style of storytelling where it doesn't really hinge on plot or character. It hinges on reveals and mm-hmm. oftentimes needless reveals. Mm-hmm. It's very post-Lost television yeah, writing. Yeah, yeah. But the thing about Lost, I mean, say what you will about the way it ended, which everybody hated. I didn't mind that because to me, Lost was never really about the hatch or the Dharma initiative. Mm -hmm. It became about the characters. It was such an amazing character study Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed it every week. Mm -hmm. So if they could do something like that, Mm -hmm. why does there even have to be a central mystery? I guess it's just because you're in a binge watching age. So you've got to get something to get you to the next episode. Mm -hmm. But maybe, yeah. Episodic episode. I mean, TS9... Star Trek fans do like the episodics, I think, more. I I, I like them both. Yeah, but I'd, I'd like a mix. Like I, when I think of '90s Trek, mm-hmm. what I what I think about it, and again, it's all predicated on DS9 because mm-hmm. I don't really watch a lot of Voyager and Next Gen is, you know, hit or miss. But you can do an excellent blend of serialized and standalone. Mm-hmm. And again, I think DS9, for the most part, did an excellent job of that. Some of their standalone episodes were really dumb. Mm. Um, But for the most part, it's always wrapped up in such great stuff. And I'm watching the fifth season now. And Uh, there's so much good stuff in the fifth season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I I forget how good it is because it's been six or seven years since I've actually sat down and done a rewatch of Mm -hmm. it. So I just want to keep watching because it's just, I like the characters and mm-hmm. it's not like I turn it on and, oh no, it's an O'Brien episode. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like, because I like Nine, all the characters. You with know? Deep Space Nine, I'm like, uh, it's a Bajoran episode. Like, I don't mind Bajoran episodes that focus on Kira, but when it's like uh, Kai Wynn and all that stuff, I'm like. Mm-hmm. I, I used to hate her when the show was first right? on, but. Now I adore her because she's just so bad. She is yeah. the worst. <laughs> she's a great actress because uh, she, she made us hate her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Louise Fletcher. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so um, she kind of excels in things like that. Uh, so you're looking forward to the next episode of Lower Decks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what, what about this season of uh, Discovery? They're resetting it again, again. They're going crazy far in the future. What do you think about that? I think that they're doing that to appease um, the fans who mm-hmm. just can't buy it as a prequel series, mm-hmm. which I can understand. I mean, they, they had to do a visual reboot. They just had mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. There was no choice because you're, you you're couldn't on have a streaming platform and, in 4K. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't have plywood sets right. from the 60s. It just was never going to happen. Although Star Trek Continues that, still works. Huh? Star Trek Continues still works. Yeah. Have you watched yeah, that? I mean. I watched all of those. Yeah, those are and, beautiful. And I don't mind them. Like, I think mm-hmm. it can be done because th- I was watching um, Trials and Tribulations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where the DS9 one where they travel back to Love that Troubles. Episode. Troubles. And I thought the sets held up just fine yeah. um, for a modern, but I love the old Enterprise. I love the aesthetic of the original series. So of course I'm going to think that. One thing I didn't like about Discovery was I loved the exterior mm-hmm. of the Enterprise, the way they souped it up. That was beautiful. But the interior just left me flat because it's just another hard, shiny star ship. Very Kelvin timeline kind of. Yeah. And not even just very generic, like mm. none of the, none of the deco flourishes that made the original series, its own mm. sort of entity survived. I don't think like I look around the bridge of the new disco enterprise mm-hmm. and it's not recognizably the bridge of the enterprise. Today. Right. It's, it's a Starfleet bridge, but you don't say enterprise when you immediately see it. Yeah. I, I, I would have liked to see them do the sixties uh, set design. That would have been nice. I, I would have, I w- but you know, I'm dyed in the wool TOS yeah. fan, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I, I would have been like, squee, you know, <laughs> like, like when they did it on Mirror Darkly, yeah. when they sort of did it in Relics. Yeah. And to, to me, that really, um, it gave me that feeling of being watching TOS again. But again, they're doing it for a new audience and not for old guys like us. And uh, they, right. the younger viewers, to get more viewers, I'm sure they want it to look shiny and flashy and new and modern and in the future. And it looks great. It does. It looks it's great. Absolutely it's great. great. It's great. It's one thing that I, I, I can, if, if I'm going to level any kind of criticism about the visual reboot, is that it, it's a little bit too busy mm-hmm. at times. It's uh, like everything seems to be just, just a little bit over-designed. Mm-hmm. So, um, Are you looking forward to the new Pike series? Yeah. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. I, I thought Anson Mount was great as Pike, mm-hmm. as, as did everyone. I thought Ethan Peck was really good as Beardy, like Crazy Spock. <laughs> yeah. When he got the haircut and shaved, mm-hmm. I kind of lost something. Didn't like it. You didn't like that moment when he walked on the Enterprise Bridge for the first time and took the science station? No, I mean, I yeah, I liked it as as a nerd. Okay. Um, just the look of him, he looked too he looked too straight laced for for Pike's Enterprise mm-hmm. because Spock was always a little bit more rangy in the earlier TOS episodes. His hair wasn't always so kempt. He didn't have quite the bowl haircut yet. It was more swept over across mm-hmm. his forehead, mm-hmm. and he would occasionally like let out a smile because Nimoy hadn't really defined the character yet. He was mm-hmm. still finding the character, mm-hmm. and so were the writers and. Some of my favorite Star Trek episodes, I shouldn't say some, my favorite Star Trek episodes are the ones earliest in the production run before they had all that shit nailed down. Of the original before it became series? Like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know? Of the original series, the first uh, Yeah, like TOS. First so I'm talking about like where No Man Has Gone Before. TOS had cage. a great first season. A great first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charlie X was an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's such a good episode. And mm-hmm. um, just the fact that, you know, even the uniform were were a little bit different it wasn't the red blue gold it was it was um gold blue and beige and i guess they couldn't really differentiate the beige well enough on Mm -hmm. black and white tvs maybe that's why they switched it but there are episodes like like i said charlie x he's walking around in what looks like gary mitchell's old shirt probably without the delta on it right Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I still just, want one of those, nice uh, to see that stuff. Those, uh, fa- the, what's that fabric called? It's like a weird fabric. Uh, it's like velour. Velour. That's it. I still want a velour yeah. Star Trek, uh, shirt. I don't have one, um, yet. Might have it's to make funny it. because I was, uh, one of the things I noticed on, um, the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. is that Avery Brooks was probably wearing a girdle of some kind <laughs> underneath his. Like Kirk you, did. Like, yeah. like Shatner you, did. 
Yeah, you can, but you can sort of see like where he ends and uh, <laughs> like a little and the ridge. girl begins. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a definite ridge there, mm-hmm. and those those were sort of unforgiving uniforms. You know, are you are you one of the fans like me that's hoping that uh, as the Pike series goes through, hopefully like a seven year run, that as they get closer to that time where uh, the cage takes over uh, that story, well, that that the, they're already post cage, are they? Yeah, oh, that's right. That's yeah. Um, he was. He's uh, already been to Talos and back. Sorry. Well, where no man has gone before. When yeah. they get to that era, uh, uh, time that the sets and the uniforms will slowly evolve to look like they did in the original series. So it kind of connects it. Or do you think they're just going to stick with what they got? So my 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 answer to that is I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's just um approximating TOS mm-hmm. because Valor looks like shit, no matter if it's an SD or HD. It's very 60s. Valor and Corduroy, right? They're going back to that. But um, I don't think they're going to. Okay. I would love them to, but I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't, I don't, you know, they're going to be their own thing and it's, they're not going to feel the need. Yeah. And to, I, as to, a, as a viewer, I'm fine with going from the end of the Pike series to the beginning of uh, TOS. And it looks different because it was made what 50 years difference. Yeah, exactly. So. And they're saying that there might be, you know, appearances by Kirk or someone playing Kirk, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, it'd be fine. But I've become a lot less precious about my Star Trek mm-hmm. over the years. I think the Kelvin timeline sort of broke me. Of, um, <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy of, Kelvin. But, you know, it's, it's like people playing Star Trek more than Star Trek to me. I, and I agree. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Kelvin movies by mm-hmm. any means, but... I learned to let go with them mm-hmm. because there are like some high points in them. Oh, yeah. um, namely where Kirk defeats a whole alien armada with the beastie boys. <laughs> that was great. And I was sitting in the theater saying, okay, how could you not like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like, get over, get over yourself, Chris. A very, <laughs> a very kick-ass moment. Uh, the only yeah. thing that uh, bumped me about the Kelvin timeline movies was the, um, where they tried to reduce Spock's death. But it be Kirk that time. Oh no, that was that was into darkness. That movie is a total yeah. dumpster fire. It's. So I think bad. if it didn't have that and the uh, Tribble part in it, I think it would have been an okay movie. But that kind of kind of ruined it for me. But I still watch that, it. That movie was the 2020 of the Star Trek <laughs> franchise. <laughs> How you feeling today? 2020. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Okay, um, so uh, going back to this episode, which is the first season of Lower Decks, Second Contact, what was your favorite part and what uh, what bumped you, what rubbed you the wrong way? Then you, you were like, eh. but yeah, we touched on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. My favorite part was when she's she's going at him with the bat left saying, mm-hmm. I command honor, <laughs> I love honor, because it's just making fun of Klingons, because I find the like Klingon storylines to mm-hmm. be almost interminable sometimes mm-hmm. because they're just so stuffy. Yeah. So... The fact that she was sort of riffing on that uh, mm-hmm. and making fun of making them. fun of I, it, yeah. I liked. I really liked that, and it makes me laugh out loud every time I That's see good. it. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I laughed um, out loud a lot. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, I guess what I didn't like is just things that I alluded to before. Mm-hmm. It just a lot of the humor seemed a little bit too forced. Okay. It, it seemed like they were trying to do, look, look, get this. We're, ma- we're making fun of this that you like about Star Trek or, you know, we're going to make this obvious joke here. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying that they won't get better. Every pilot is different mm-hmm. from a series and I see potential, I guess, is what I like most about it. It's like I, I'm not ready to write it off. As pilots go, I think it's one of the best, maybe along with Enterprise pilot. Pilots usually aren't so great. Uh, for you thought Broken Bow was one of the best for pilots. 
I don't know. To me, to me, it seemed um, better than um, Caretaker. It seemed better than Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, Emissary's great. Uh, I, like I, I can Emissary. watch Emissary over and over again. Um, I think that where No Man Has Gone Before mm-hmm. is probably the best pilot. Mm-hmm. But, but I like Gary. And mm-hmm. I Gary like, Mitchell, I like, he got a mention in this episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so awesome. I guess I'll have to look him up. <laughs> you don't have right? to. <laughs> I, I, oh, when she goes, <laughs> I'm your Chadich. Or, or you're my Chadich. <laughs> Whatever she said. I was like, ah. What is that from? Um, One of the stuffy uh, Klingon episodes where Picard is like Worf's lawyer, I think. Oh, uh, uh, okay. He's his Chadich. Gotcha. I think. Some, gotcha. I might be getting it right. wrong. I, it's, it's hard to hold all the episodes, <laughs> everything from all the episodes in my head, you know, uh, concurrently. If we did get anything wrong, feel free to contact us at trickaholicpod at gmail.com or you can go to trickaholic.com and uh, contact us there. Find out all our links to everything. Um, okay. As promised earlier in this episode, uh, we are going to do a little thing called Trek and Tell. So I have two things for Trek and Tell just in case we pick the same thing because we don't know what each other has just some something around your house that's star trek and that's not too hard for me but for some people it might be uh what did you bring to trek and tell today mr christopher d Philippus? well if you guys are watching on the video feed you see over my shoulder here a couple of my radios and stuff radio sightings in that corner right huh right where my finger is okay see? yes huh? uh by the way right uh, there F- Usually is a special guy that always looks over my shoulder. Mm. He usually sits there, but I took him down today. And we had mentioned earlier about uh, the Mego Star Trek. Mm-hmm. This is probably the oldest Star Trek thing I own. Oh, wow. Is that an original? Childhood. It's McCoy, Mego McCoy. Wow. And I love him because his leg always falls. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I pick him up, yeah. it's like, whoops. Wow. <laughs> Might want to glue him. So, I don't know. I have a, I have a Spock that his torso separates every time I pick him up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So now one of the stories that I had, and he's even got like blue underwear or black underwear. Oh, wow. Lead, anyway. lead paint and everything. Yeah, exactly. A um, couple, of, couple of things about these. If I can get up close, do you see the, 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 the mission patch? Yes. How it's just like this uniform gray? They had you? gold foil on these. Okay. But for almost every... Mego action figure that foil has falls off it just dries up and falls off mm-hmm. and yeah uh, i don't know if i've seen one with it on in, yeah. in, in, in real life. and the other thing that i do have they're somewhere in my parents attic because i remember having them in a dresser drawer as a kid because i had this um the tricorder and the phaser oh that came with these so wow. the tricorder had a loop that you could put on your shoulder mm-hmm and uh, or he could hold it in his hand and the phaser, you can see how the hand is designed. Mm-hmm. So you could stick the phaser, phaser in there and they were these powder blue accessories. Mm. And <laughs> I just have to go up into my parents attic and find my old dresser mm-hmm. because that's where they were. And it hasn't been cleaned out because we just sort of just put it up there when I, you know, when I left the house. So, mm-hmm. and they took my room over for something else. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is what I used to play with as a kid. And that's my Mego McCoy. That, and I have several other Star Trek <laughs> things, of course, around the house, as we discussed before, but that this is about to be is know, a one of my favorites. Very awesome Trek and tell for people listening to the audio podcast. You can go to YouTube and uh, see the video and the links will be in the description for fans of radio sightings. One of, one of your uh, segments on the quantum leap podcast. What is that radio behind you? That Spock or that uh, McCoy usually stands by. Yes, that one. That's a Philco. Philco. And I forget the model number, but I found that one um, locally here on Long Island at a garage sale. And one thing you can't see because the light's not good is those those knobs mm-hmm. 
are um, beautiful, like like burgundy. Oh, really? Translucent. Translucent. Yeah, that kind of plastic. And, and but the the thing is, when when I got them, they just seemed like all red, mm-hmm. like all. So I started cleaning them off, and it turns out they both have these beautiful brass inserts in them. And I would never have known that unless you know, I just started doing the cosmetic restoration. And that's one of the first radios that I restored cosmetically. Mm. I still don't do electronic. Like I can do like that little guy right there of my shoulder. Transistor that house. Yep. I restored that because all it needed was some capacitors. Oh, so, okay. I mean, that, that takes three seconds. So you recapped it. That's yeah, I recapped it. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. And now it plays, it plays great. Uh, but, your love um, of radio. Yeah, most of my radios look good, but they don't work very well because I don't know how to do the electronic mm. stuff. I'm, I'm the electronic kind of guy. And then exactly. I just try to. I know. You're just like, you, you throw Bluetooth speakers. Yeah, I make stuff. them. It's, usually I make them Bluetooth. I got a 1929 <laughs> radio that I can connect to my phone and play stuff. So um, uh, that was a very good Trek and Tell. Um, this is my Trek and Tell. This is what I brought. Let's see if you can see this. Is that Gugon? What is that? <laughs> it kind of <laughs> smells and feels like it. It is Star Trek First Contact Captain's Cologne. It came in like a uh, holiday gift set for boys when Star Trek uh, uh, First Contact came out. And it just smells like Dawn dish liquid. But I guess oh, I just, as a kid's I, cologne, you don't want it to be so strong. It's got like a little bit of a musk in it. And I use it very sparingly, as you can tell. How, how many years ago did First Contact come out? Oh, my God. Uh a lot of years ago. A couple decades, maybe. <laughs> I, I think they were saying 18 years since Nemesis. So, um, yeah. but uh, this is my captain's cologne. So anytime I'm going on a first date, I always a little bit here and a little bit here, just in case the woman is a Trekkie and uh, she goes, is that first contact captain's cologne? <laughs> then I know, then I know it was meant to be. So that's my trek. You keep holding out. That will happen one day. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. The only people that seem to share my uh, my love of Star Trek are fellow nerds like myself that happen to be male. Well, so, um, it's a good love to have. Okay. And uh, I, for one now, I'm going to look for the captain's cologne. Because <laughs> uh, I want to smell, smell like L.B. Birch. It came with a bar of soap, a uh, circle bar of soap that was wrapped in paper with a sticker on it. And it came with a wallet. I still have the wallet and the soap, but uh, they're not in the case anymore. But uh, every once in a while, I'll switch to the wallet, which is funny because it's a small, tiny wallet. Uh, it's, it's for kids. So I have to fit all my stuff in there. But uh, I'm just silly. But uh, that was Trek and Tell for uh, <laughs> the first uh, episode of uh, Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast. What do you think of the name? I love it. Okay, cool. It was uh, originally going to be Trekaholic, another, another, another Star Trek podcast, because that's more accurate, but it was too ah, long to overkill. make the logo. Okay. Um, and uh, now, uh, what rating out of 10 would you give Second Contact? I would give it a 6 out of 10. Okay, that's pretty good. So you liked yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's higher than I thought, especially mm-hmm. upon my first watch. I would have given it like a 3 out of 10. Mm-hmm. But it, like I said, I've, I've had time to let it settle with me, and I realized the potential it has. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's nothing about it that is a deal breaker for me. Okay. So I, I, so that, that brings it just above the halfway mark mm-hmm. because I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. Uh, did you have a silly object? The six silly objects? Um, can we elaborate on that? Okay. I'll, I'll do mine. I'll, sh- I'll, uh, I'll do mine. Um, my rating for the show, I wanted to give it a 10 just because I loved it so much, but then there's no room for improvement. And I'm sure I'm going to love more, uh, episodes in the future better than this one. So I'm going to give it seven bananas hot. Oh, I see what you're saying. Something yes. related to the episode. Yes. So, but I gave it a seven and I would have been a 10 
only but I want to leave room for the future ones to be better. But yeah, I yeah, absolutely gotta, adored this and I watched it, like I said, seven times now and I'll probably watch it again tonight. And I find something new in it every time. I think the third time I realized there was an R2 unit in the background of that whole crate of uh, contraband she took the bat less out of. I can't, oh, really? Yeah, there's you can see like a, a little bit of uh, what looked like uh, R2-D2's uh, like bottom half of him and his leg. All right, so, that kind of annoys me. I, I don't want to. Look, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I in the uh, in the uh, flag or poster uh, in the captain's office where it's like a flag of California. I think is that California with a bear and a, a star, or is that Alaska? I, I'm not really sure. Anyway, there, uh, one of the one of the things in the painting or the flag looks like the Serenity spaceship. I noticed there's a lot of uh, little things in there. Okay. So, um, so you give um, six, and I'm sure six. those are all deliberate nods. I mean, oh, I'm sure. The R2, obviously, right? So you I'm might gonna say, I'm gonna give it um it. six beefy naked male gymnasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I like it. So overall, uh I'd say that's a positive review. We six out of ten and uh, seven out of ten. So that's yeah. good. Okay. Um for people who aren't aware of your internet fame. Could you please uh, tell everybody where they can find out more about you and follow you and listen to all the cool stuff you do? And well, thanks to uh, a certain Mr. Albert Mark Burge. I am a host of the quantum leap <laughs> podcast. You can find us on quantumleappodcast.com. That's where um, I host the show with my beautiful, lovely, talented and hilarious co-hosts, Matt Dale and Allison Bregler. Um, we are in the early stages of season five. We just released our Lee Harvey Oswald episode. That means something if you're a leaper. So you can check us out there. Um, great episode. And yes, uh, that was very we're good. Having a, we're having a blast um, doing the Quantum Leap podcast these days. So thank you, Albie, for, uh, you know, mm -hmm. handing the reins over and uh, giving, us an give, giving us an opportunity to really, you know, indulge. I appreciate you uh, picking up the show when I needed you to. And it makes me feel good every time I get to listen to a new episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. So I really appreciate what you, Matt and Allison do. I call you guys the QLP, the next generation, because <laughs> it's just, it's a different show, but it's awesome and so much better. I think. I don't know about that. Like I said, your show is what got me into podcasting and now I'm hosting it. So it's, it's pretty like, awesome. You know, I don't know what that it's better um, because yours was good. Oh, thank um, you. The other place you can find me is at deflipside.com. That's my personal website where I occasionally put up um, audio pieces about I love those. geeky stuff. What would you science. call those? Audio essays? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Radio radio essays. Really good stuff. And, um, you know, you find my radio settings and things like that. I really haven't done radio settings in a long time. I miss them. That's my one complaint about uh, Quantum Leap Podcast well, is there's well, no more radio well, settings. I had to make. I had to make some hard choices. And yeah. I said, what do people, what do people care about? What don't people care about? And I, radio settings were the first thing to go. I think that's the, I'm, I'm the only person that I know that raves about them. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even rave about them. <laughs> um, where can people find uh, The Seeker, a novella of truth? Um, you can find a link for everything on my website at deflipside.com. D-E-F-L-I-P-S-I-D-E.com. You can get it as a paperback or you can get it as um, an ebook. People who haven't no heard No audiobook. Not yet. Uh, I'll send no, you something who's later. Gonna... <laughs> uh, Zoe, uh, actually, our announcer, has uh, recorded the first couple chapters for us, actually. Of what? Of your book, Foreknowledge. 
but not the seeker yet. So hopefully, oh, foreknowledge. I was yeah. going to say, okay. But hopefully, uh, the second book that we do will be that. I don't know. It should be a, a audio book. It's really good. Uh, the elevator pitch for that book. If people haven't heard of it yet, what for the seeker? Yeah, what's it about? Oh, it's about um, a time traveler teaming up with an invisible man to defeat a genie. All right. Uh, it's a great book. I read it myself a few times and I really enjoyed it. So, and I want a sequel. So I, yeah, I have always meant to write a sequel. Then life mm-hmm. takes over. And, do, you, do you have a, do you have a outline for a sequel written down? No, I just had, um, what I, what I originally saw that novella as being is, um, part of more of a mosaic collection mm-hmm. of seeker stories that deal with the characters in that story, but other seekers too. seekers okay. in, in, in the fiction or time travelers. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's very unique, and it, that's hard to do in uh, the pop culture we have going on now, where everything's been done already. But well, I mean, I it's it's written in a very sort of deliberately obtuse way, and everybody seems to hate it. Um, thank God you love everything. Everybody <laughs> hates the seeker. That really? should be the website. No, for how it. can everybody anybody hate that book? How can anybody <laughs> hate that book? Oh, everybody hates it, but they're too nice to say anything. Really, I, I appreciate all the good words and all of this sort of, uh, yeah, that was fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm a big fan. I don't know if you can tell I'm a fanboy and over Christopher D. Philippus here, but I'm a big fan. And I really appreciate you joining me for the first, uh, incarnation like this episode of this incarnation of this show, Trekaholic, uh, another Star Trek podcast. Any, uh, well, par- hmm? I'm always happy to talk Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I just wish that I was a little bit more coherent on this one. I wish I'd been able to watch the episode a couple more times so I mm-hmm. could have formed, you know, well, you had a hurricane for you. You had a hurricane, right? Was it a hurricane, tropical storm when it got we there? We had a tropical storm. It blew in and blew out in a few hours, mm-hmm. but it had like 80 mile an hour winds mm-hmm. and it just knocked everything out. It knocked all of Long Island on its ass. And uh, there are people still don't have power. It's like four days later. Well, I'm, I'm glad you and uh, Laura and Penelope and your parents are safe. Everybody's safe. Everybody's okay. No one got hurt. Just, you know, it just sucks living without electricity for days on end. Is it hot up there right now? What season is it? I don't know. Is it summer? Winter? (laughs) It's very hot. It's summer. It's always hot here. If the air goes out, old people die. So, yeah. So, um, thankfully after the storm, there was a little bit of, pardon me. There was a little bit of a respite in the heat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people without electricity could at least have the windows open and have some kind of moving air. But nobody cares about that. <laughs> Everybody cares about Star Trek. Star Trek. Okay. So uh, join us next time for Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast. Thanks again, Mr. Christopher D. Philippus. And a special thanks to Hayden McQueenie for doing this with me last night for the tech setup, because without him, uh, this wouldn't have got done. So I appreciate that. All right. Thank you for having me. And um, I look forward to joining you again on a future episode, perhaps. Hint, hint. Yes. You're always welcome on anything I do. I'm a big fan. So great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. And that'll uh, wrap it up. I'm going to start playing the uh, outro. So that means we got about a minute to fill before it really kicks in. Um, Any any final words? I just think that it is an amazing time to be a Star Trek fan. I know that a lot of the Trekkies seem to do nothing but complain, Mm -hmm. but I don't like um, those people. I really don't. Yeah, but (laughs) it's always the way of it. They did it. I did it. I did it when Next Gen came out. I'm guilty of it too. Like people are so much like this is not what I'm used to. So, therefore, I must shake my fist. And Mm -hmm. it's just magnified now because of the internet. But when you think about it, we have three series already in production, right? 
Um, you have the card, you have lower decks, and you have discovery. You have two in the pipeline. Uh, three in the pipeline. Three more in the pipeline. Uh, you have the, the, the Pike Show, Section 31 show. I got to cut you off there for Trekaholic. This is an, another Star Trek podcast. This is Albie. Thank you for listening to Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast. Please support the show by going to patreon.com slash trekaholic. Send written or audio feedback to trekaholicpod at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 305-707-TREK. That's 305-707-8735. And don't worry, no one will pick up. It's only for voicemail. Visit our website at trekaholic.com for more information. Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast, is not affiliated in any way with CBS or Paramount. I'm your announcer, Zoe Dean. Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast, is a Baron Space production.